Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pixies Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Sunday, May the 2nd, I guess. Maybe Saturday, May the 1st, being on when Debo throws it up. This is the draft recap. Of course, we'll be breaking down the draft throughout the coming weeks, but it is worth uh, diving into the final day of the draft and handing out grades. So to do that, we bring in two freaking grinders. On the draft scene, our good pals who were here yesterday with us, Josh Edwards and Chris Passo. What's up, boys? Not too much. Pretty uh, happy to put a bow on this 2021 NFL draft and uh, start moving on to 2022 coverage. Yeah. Oh, geez. Don't even bring that up yet, Josh, please. No mock draft. By the way. Uh, I know I got one coming up. First of all, I would, I would say congratulations on great work. You guys did awesome work. The draft is a grind. It is. It is. It is like the NFL season, except you don't get to actually watch live football games. So you're just you're grinding on the dudes, what dudes did the year before. And it's cool. You discover new things and you find new prospects and all that. But it is a lot of work. It's like homework. If you don't like watching film of football players, doing the draft sucks. So congratulations to both of you. And uh, Traps, congratulations on your huge win at the Kentucky Derby Medina behind you on the, <laughs> on the, on the old bookshelf. Uh, Medina yeah, I was uh, captained by or trained by Bob Baffert, won the Kentucky Derby as he won his seventh Kentucky Derby. Just don't bet against Bob Baffert. Yeah, Brinson and Josh could sit here for an hour and talk about horse racing. I know nothing, but I was seeing all these tweets like Medina. Like, why is everyone tweeting my hometown? And now I have the sign behind me. So that's not a coincidence or it, it is a coincidence. I, I know absolutely nothing. About the Kentucky Derby, so it's just always in my sure coincidence. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> we don't need to keep talking about the Derby. Oh boy, my son's. Uh, you know what? Oh man, Midnight Bourbon was uh, very nearly very good. Mandaloon screwed me in this in this Derby. Oh, that's tough. Oh, the uh, the super high five of the Derby. I don't know why I'm talking about the Derby after the draft, but um, it always happens like that. Me, we, me, me and EK hit it one time. The the super high five paid $297,000 on a $1 ticket if you hit that at the Derby. Wow. Nice little day. Anyway, that's like that's like picking the 199th player in the draft and having him win six Super, six super Bowls for you. That's that's roughly the same, same sort of odds. It's probably further for Tom Brady. So coming up, we will talk about the draft. We will talk about day three. And let's just dive right in. We will go with superlatives from day three. And we will start with best individual pick. Josh, I will uh, cede the floor to you. What was your favorite day three draft pick? Well, it's going to sound like I'm a marketing executive for the Chargers at this point because I'm going to sit here and uh, talk about another one of their picks. Brendan Hymas, the offensive tackle, offensive guard from Nebraska, who was taken in the fifth round, number 159 overall. Um, he played left tackle at, at Nebraska. He's got great athleticism. I think he's going to slide inside to guard. 
but a really tremendous depth addition to a Los Angeles offensive line that is significantly upgraded over what we saw last year with the moves that they've made this offseason. Um, so I'm excited to see what that offensive line does, uh, and I'm excited to see how Hymas fits into the mix. How about you, uh, Traps? What, uh, what, what did you like about day three in terms of an individual pick? Well, that could have been my pick, too, because Jaime's, to me, I think his balance and pass protection, the handwork, he looked like an NFL veteran on an island at Nebraska and fared really well at the Senior Bowl. So to get Rashawn Slater and to get another player who can maybe play tackle but probably play guard, that's what the Chargers needed during your Phillip Rivers era. Oh. It never really had. Nice to ask her to load up the offensive line now that the quarterback's young and mobile. <laughs> exactly. Uh, my favorite pick, though, was Thomas Graham. That the Bears got, let me see, at um, 228 overall in the sixth round. Eight interceptions, 32 pass breakups over the past three seasons. He probably fell because he didn't test very well, and he's under six foot, around 185 pounds. Like, he's smaller, but we all know that you have to be uh, smaller to play in that nickel spot. In today's NFL, that's where he probably will end up, although he mostly played on the outside. And this is going to sound bad being a draft analyst, but just do the box score scouting with him. I mean, eight interceptions and 32 pass breakups in three years. He's doing something right in coverage. His instincts are very good. I think he plays bigger than his size in contested catch situations. Uh, the savviness in off coverage and zone is very good. You don't really want him on an island. Uh, against the the twitchiest or most sudden slot receivers in the NFL. But to get him that late, someone that's that productive from a Power 5 school, Thomas Graham, I think, is going to be the Bears' starting nickel corner and will have a very good NFL career. Mm, spicy. Only two quarterbacks were taken on day two. We saw that big run on Friday night of quarterbacks that went off the board. Ian Book, 133 to the Saints, which is kind of crazy. So Ian Book is going yes. from... No, I don't know about the where they drafted him, but it's insane that Ian Book is going from Notre Dame to Drew Brees' team, and Drew Brees is going from the Saints to NBC to cover Notre Dame. Like they just <laughs> they basically flipped in a in a weird kind of way. And then Sam Ellinger came off the board at number two eighteen to the Colts, who continued to take some shots at the at the quarterback board. And I don't I don't know if Sam Ellinger will be great, but he would have been he was he was one of the favorites for the Heisman and probably mentioned in at least somebody's last way too early mock draft after last year's draft, right, Josh? Yeah, he had a little bit more hype earlier in the process. I wouldn't say he was ever, you know, considered one of those first round caliber players, but I almost took Traps's uh, approach to this question. But I will say that Ian Book um, was probably my favorite of the two because he's going to an ideal situation with the Saints, uh, get to learn under Sean Payton. He's not going to be forced into the mix too early, I don't think, with Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill there. Um, but, you know, just a really smart quarterback. He's gritty. He's tough. He's got a little bit of mobility, is capable of throwing on the run, uh, inconsistent accuracy, but a quarterback that I think, um, you know, could be a solid backup down the road. But it's going to take him a little bit of development to uh, to reach that potential. And Traps, you didn't like any of the I, – I asked the question wrong. I was supposed to ask who's your favorite quarterback taken. Josh, of course, you know, Josh, you're, you, you like to play by the rules. You didn't really like either quarterback. <laughs> you're going to give an answer. Traps, 
goes off the board and says, no one. You hate both the quarterbacks. Zero. I have no idea how either of these two quarterbacks were picked. I think maybe because we're in this uh, athleticism renaissance at the quarterback spot where you got to be able to extend plays and use your legs because that's really all Ian Book and Sam Ellinger can do. They can get outside the pocket. They don't really want to stay inside the pocket. They're not good with their pocket presence accuracy decision making like trying to check the boxes like we always say during the pre-draft process they didn't really check any of my boxes I think Ian Book low-key was picked so early by Sean Payton because he sees a like Taysom Hill type of guy that you could spread him out you could throw him a pass you could hand him the football because he's a good athlete and even after having Drew Brees for so long Sean Payton's kind of gone off the rails with the quarterback position I think uh, thinking Taysom Hill can be a starter uh, I, I was surprised Felipe Franks, who also is athletic, was a big recruit and played pretty well at Arkansas in 2020, was not selected. And to hear Ian Book's name so early and Sam Ellinger, yes, very experienced, but does not have an NFL arm. Uh, and really, when it comes to reading coverages and making good decisions, he's like Ian Book, like the, not good in either of those phases. So I didn't like any of the quarterbacks that came off the board today. Man, it is crazy to see Jamie Newman's name up there on yeah. the top of that list because he was a former Wake Forest quarterback who transferred to Georgia in the pandemic year. And I mean, I know you, I mean, people there, I never thought this, but there were people who believed that he might be a first round pick. I and liked him a lot. Yeah. I wouldn't, I mean, you know, it's one thing to do it at Wake Forest. Anyway, he was in the mention for that. KJ Costello, same thing. You know, KJ Costello got to Stanford. Oh, look, it might be Andrew Luck 2.0. And then he, you know, he went to Mississippi State and you play under Mike Leach and yet you end up going undrafted. It's 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 hard to, to get to the NFL as a quarterback. Who's uh, So I would, I would ask you this. Who's your favorite name on that list, Josh? My favorite name on that list uh, would probably be Jamie Newman because you do get some of the traits that you could possibly develop into a role player in the NFL. Um, some of those other guys, they just don't have the arm strength or – what it takes to process quickly in the NFL and make quick decisions. Uh, Felipe Franks is one of those quarterbacks. KJ Costello is one of those quarterbacks. Um, Shane Bouchelle uh, and Brady White, I think both have some intriguing quarterbacking potential, but I don't think either one of them has the arm strength to uh, reach where they need to be in the NFL to maintain a consistent roster spot. Uh, how about you, Trap? Sorry, if, I'm, if I look distracted, it's, it's because you won't believe this. Guess who showed up and decided that he wants to annoy me? Yep, it's George the dog, everybody. George, <laughs> thanks for coming out for the last two days. Trying to ship you. Yeah, out. Josh, you bringing up Shane Michelle, uh, I totally forgot about him, but I actually didn't mind his film. I, I thought if you want a quarterback that is a pretty willing passer from in the pocket but can make some plays with his arm talent like outside the pocket, I, I would have been fine if a team picked him sixth or the seventh round. Uh, and I like Felipe Franks and Jamie Newman. I thought that they had enough – just natural talent throwing the football uh, through some tight windows in a power five conference. Um, it, it obviously would have been nice to see Jamie Newman at Georgia this year. Uh, but I I'm really surprised that those were the only two quarterbacks, Ian book and Sam Ellinger that went off the board in on day three. Debo uh, we'll bring you in as the, the voice in the sky, unless you want to get rid of that shared screen, Jamie Newman to the Eagles. So the Eagles hmm. did get a quarterback. I actually think Jamie Newman is a decent fit. I mean, I subscribe to the idea that if you have a starter like a Jalen Hurts, 
you don't want to have a backup like a Mac Jones. And I, maybe that's stupid. I don't think there's a definitive proof of either one. But Jamie Newman makes a little bit of sense with, with Jalen Hurts as a starter. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, your week six Philadelphia Eagles starting quarterback, Jamie Newman. I kid, I kid. I am in full support mode of, of Jalen Hurts. But yeah, why not take a flyer on a guy like this? Uh, during this lead-up process to the draft, I was revisiting some of the stuff that we did last year. And we had Ryan Wilson on, and Ryan nailed a lot of the top guys. And, and he wasn't alone, like you said, having him as a first-round pick. Man, just opting out, you know, it helps some people. It hurts some people. It didn't hurt anyone as worse as it hurt um, Jamie Newman. Mm, indeed. Were, were you trying to use hurt and hurts as many times as possible in that uh, description of, of Jamie Newman? <laughs> yes. <laughs> hurts. Hurts, hurts for Diva. Moving along. Your best running back taken on Saturday during four th- rounds four through seven, Josh. There were a lot of them, and this is a position where you can get really good value on day three, uh, as we've seen in the past. Um, you can get value into the undrafted free agency, as we saw with James Robinson and Philip Lindsay previously. Uh, several names that I like in this group, um, you know, whether it's Kenneth Gainwell, I talked a little bit about that pickup for the Eagles with Debo, a good third down complimentary piece with Miles Sanders serving as your primary back. Uh, Elijah Mitchell, I like him a lot. But I'm going to go with Khalil Herbert for the Chicago Bears, um, taken in the sixth round because I think he's a really complete back. Um, Kansas transfer, does a little bit of everything. And to get him in the sixth round, I think that was really great value for Chicago. Traps, how about you, buddy? Mine is Kene Neguangu from Iowa State who went in the same division, NFC North, to the Vikings. He, to me, I I don't think he's to this level, but if there is a running back who could be the next Antonio Gibson, it's him. He had 143 carries over four full seasons at Iowa State, set a bunch of school records as a returner. And then at the Iowa State Pro Day, 6'1", 210, so good size, ran in the four threes and had a 38-and-a-half-inch vertical, a three-cone drill under that uh, seven-second plateau that you really want to see for any prospect. So just didn't get the football out. There was David Montgomery early in his career. Uh, and then Brees Hall obviously took over as that feature back that they gave the football a lot to. So Kenny Neguangu is the one that I think uh, to get picked late on day three. And yes, they have Dalvin Cook. Uh, they have Mike Boone. I, I, I think he could ultimately push Mike Boone for that third running back spot. And just the size, the speed, and the athleticism. And then bringing that return ability to the backfield, the vision that you need, the acceleration, stop and start skills, it shows up when he's even getting the handoffs too. So I think he could be a a great diamond in the rough find for the Vikings on day three. I got to tell you, I think you guys are kind of overthinking this. And and that may just be, as Debo scrolls up to Michael Carter, uh, (laughs) that may just be, you guys, it, it could be you guys know the draft class better, which is the likely scenario. Or it could be that you guys are so deep into this that it's impossible, that it's difficult sometimes to just take the layup. And there are two layups on the board here for me. One, Michael Carter. That dude's good. And he's going to the Jets. Yeah. And they don't have a bunch of guys. And he's going to run. He's going to get a ton of carries. And then two, did they draft a running back earlier? No. They have, it's Elijah Moore. I, I love, we're getting the, the, the depth of the draft classes in a minute, but Elijah Moore, Michael Carter, Zach Wilson, and Elijah Vera Tucker. 
Nice work, Joe Douglas. That's very nice work. That's you add in some other pieces, and that's the making of an explosive offense. And of course, yeah, Devo can probably guess where I'm going. Ch- Chuba Hubbard. Sometimes you just gotta trust what you see. And Chuba Hubbard is a beast. Not not in the I'm gonna run you over kind of beast way, but an explosive monster. And if you can do some two-back formations where you line up Christian McCaffrey in the slot and you put Chuba Hubbard in the backfield and you throw some screens to him and you have DJ Moore out there and, you know, they they bring in, uh, was it Terrence Mitchell that they drafted? And, of course, you have Robbie Anderson. There's a lot of nice pieces in place for Sam Darnold to really thrive in Carolina. They would be another one of my winners if I was looking at this. So I, I, I'm not saying that you guys are wrong per se because Lord knows I wouldn't tell anybody that they're wrong about day three picks. <laughs> Oh, this is a good question from uh, Daniel H in the chat. Why didn't Jared Patterson get picked? Is it uh, simply a matter of wear and tear and just throttling crappy competition? Probably too slow. I mean, he, he's elusive. He's one of the most elusive backs in the class. Jump cutting. He can piece together three or four cuts in a run and and make half a entire defense miss. But just the downfield burst, I don't think is there. But he could be one of those undrafted free agent running backs who ultimately carves out a role as that scat back who kind of hides uh, amongst the trees because he's about five foot seven and ultimately plays pretty well early in his career. Puka Williams, as he, I'm sure he's signed. The, the, the undrafted free agent thing drives me nuts. I mean, it's the draft ends and chaos. Pew, 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 pew. Puka Guys, to the I, Bengals. Puka to the Bengals. Jarrett Patterson to Washington football team are a couple running hmm. back updates for the undrafted guys. Thank you, Debo, for actually paying attention to the sport that I'm supposed to cover. The Puka Williams thing really intrigues me because Joe Mixon, you know, Giovanni Bernard's gone. I wonder how much of Gio's role Puka could end up getting in 2021 and or Joe Mixon, who hasn't always been healthy. If Joe Mixon is down at all, does Puka Williams get to run? I'm, I'm taking a flyer on him in, in a you know, dynasty leagues late in, in, in drafts for sure. What about the best wide receiver, Josh? Who was your favorite round three wide receiver drafted on Saturday? Or excuse me, day three wide receiver drafted on Saturday. So I really like Tylen Wallace, who went to the Baltimore Ravens. Um, 2019, he suffered a pretty significant injury that cost him most of the year. Uh, one of the most productive wide receivers in college football. I think because he was absent for most of that year, he was kind of forgotten. Um, didn't have the best pro day, but plays the position with as much play strength as any other player in this class, pound for pound. Um, he's listed at five foot eleven, but he plays like he's six foot two or six foot three or whatever. Uh, because he's able to make and win balls down the field. Um, I think it's a good fit. He's got good range, which is kind of what you need for Lamar Jackson in that offense. Traps? I'm going to do a little bit of a homer pick here with the Buffalo Bills, getting Marquez Stevenson, the wide receiver from Houston. To me, he was the best, like, small speedster in this draft class. Tutu Atwell went in front of him. Amir Smith-Marset went in front of him. Uh I actually had him graded like in the third round and and the bills got him in the six. Now I get with that loaded receiver group, there's not going to be a a lot of targets to go around, but believe me being in Western New York, a lot of fans and even local media were like the bills need someone that can stretch the field because Diggs can do it a little bit. Emmanuel Sanders at 34 is not doing it. That's never been Cole Beasley's game. They lost John Brown, even Gabriel Davis, who, was found on some downfield plays in Buffalo last year, is not really someone that's going to threaten a defense. 
Marquez Stevenson is crazy fast. Get him in the jet sweep game. Uh, he's a great returner. He had three return touchdowns in college at Houston. Dealt with some injuries, and, and of course, he's not 6'2", 210. He's about 5'11", 185, so he's a little smaller. But if he gets clean releases off the line of scrimmage, he has that speed to play even faster than where he timed. I think he ran like 4.48 at the Houston Pro Day. I think he's faster than that on film. Uh, that's what the Bills offense kind of needed to have that ability to take the lid off of defense and, and to allow more room underneath. So Marquez Stevenson in the sixth round, I really like that pick for the Bills. This wide receiver class is so fascinating because it is you know, considered a potentially historically great wide receiver class but man it's got a lot of work to do to lead up to live up to last year's class which was incredible and not a, not necessarily as hyped up you know you saw guys go later yesterday with Deami brown and amari rogers i think are very good players uh, amron and Amon Ross St. Brown at the USC is a really interesting guy that was drafted by the Lions. Tyler, I think Tyler Wallace is the correct answer here when we talk about undrafted, or excuse me, guys who were drafted on day three. I also am a Daz Newsome fan, not in the sense Love that him. I like Daz Newsome, but mostly in the sense that I watched him carve up my team, and as a result, I, I am terrified of him. I mean, the skill position guys out of Carolina this year, between Daz Newsome, De'Ami Brown, Michael Carter, Javante Williams, I mean, that that's that is a really, really good group of guys. The Panthers are very high on Shai Smith, who they got in the sixth round. So a lot of interesting late round names. You have to think one or, one or two of these guys sort of ends up popping, right, and becomes a legitimate weapon for one of these teams. And there's still some names out there who are, you know, who went undrafted that could be interesting. If anybody stand out to you guys as an undrafted wide receiver, maybe perhaps one of the Surratt brothers. Air brothers right? Ooh. I can go first uh Tamori and Terry from Florida State signed with the Seahawks I saw that just before we started recording and he to me not as naturally talented as Josh Gordon but he is that type like 6'4 220 get him on the vertical route tree he is very fast a long strider deceptively uh fast down the football field obviously over the past couple of years at Florida State, uh, the quarterback play was bad. The offensive line couldn't protect long enough for him to consistently be that big play threat. But with Russell Wilson, those moon balls down the field, we know he's a great deep ball thrower. I think Tamori and Terry could be someone. And we've seen late-round receivers and undrafted guys play well. Doug Baldwin um, was undrafted in Seattle. So I, I think Tamori and Terry, not someone that's going to create a lot of separation, but he fits with the type of receiver that the Seahawks have liked during the Russell Wilson era. Yeah, you talked about the North Carolina skill players. Your boys at NC State are going to be pretty good next year as well. Uh, you guys, Donovan Knight, the the other running back that I'm forgetting, Porter Rooks, Emeka Amizi. I don't Ricky, know that they – Is it Ricky Person? Ricky Person, Ricky Person, yeah. I, I don't know. Donovan Knight, I'm telling you. Somebody's going to – in two in either after this year or after the next year, somebody's going to take Donovan Knight in the second or third round of the draft, and he's going to he's going to run for 1,200 yards one year. It's just – it's going to happen. That dude is a home run hitter. Yeah, I don't know if they have their same how yet, but uh, they they do have some talented. How dare players. you insult Devin Leary like that? talk on the pod. It's it's just factual. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know how I'm supposed to back that up. But uh, to the question, there are a couple of guys that you know work out of the slot, have a little bit of speed, which was coveted in this draft class. Trey Walker from San Jose State, who initially was going to transfer, but then decided to stay in the draft. Uh, Watt Fillier from Indiana is a very thin wide receiver, but again, has tremendous speed, even though it didn't really show up at his pro day. 
Uh, and then Cade Johnson is a really good slot receiver as well. But to, to focus on one, I'll go with Trey Walker because although a little undersized, he, like Tylen Wallace, plays a little bit bigger than what he's labeled. I dig it. I was, I was trying to these these I'm, I my phone is I'm getting four thousand t- like Twitter alerts. <laughs> it's just so and so undrafted guy is signed with so and so. So let's take a break. Yeah, it's mass chaos. It's yeah, mass chaos. Yeah, it's absolute chaos. It's a mall out there. Let's take a break and we'll come back and give out superlatives for full draft classes. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Gather your besties. We are very exclusive. And get ready. Mom, go make snacks. For sure, Regina. Yeah. For the movie that hits like a bus in a good way. No one dies. Mean Girls. Made at PG 13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you got to do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Okay, so this is tough. Winners and losers on draft day is difficult. Because you can't ding anybody who doesn't have a first-round pick for being a loser, right? Because, you know, they don't have enough picks. for like The Rams... You can't ding the Rams. And it's easy to make somebody a winner. You know, the Raiders a few years ago had three first-round picks. It's easy to be a winner when you pick a lot of guys in the first round who come out with great talent. We're going to try and be a little more thoughtful here, I think. You guys are going to give us superlatives. Josh, your favorite overall class in the 2021 NFL draft was? The New York Jets. I did not pick Michael Carter as my best running back option earlier because I like him as a haul as a, as a part of this haul by Joe Douglas. Uh, you start with Zach Wilson, who I was a big fan of. You get Elijah Vera Tucker, who is arguably the best interior offensive lineman. Elijah Moore at wide receiver, who I absolutely loved. You get Michael Carter, the running back, who is very fast, adds another element to that offense. Michael Carter, the second, who is a versatile defensive back that can play corner. He can play safety. You get Hams and Nasir Dean in the sixth, sixth round. Yeah, yep. sixth round. Um, one of those hybrid kind of guys, linebacker safety, just bigger, capable of making plays and impacting the passing lanes. Um, Jamie and Sherwood, similar kind of com- conversation. He's a little bit of a bigger safety that might end up moving down to the will linebacker position. Uh, Brandon Eccles, a man, a good man cover from Kentucky. He's a little undersized, but uh, just great at staying in phase and making plays on the ball. Jonathan Marshall, a little bit of a bigger nose tackle that can plug some gaps in that uh, defensive front now that has Sheldon Rankins and Quinnen Williams. By the way, I have to point out that Joe Douglas and the Jets drafted multiple Michael Carters from the ACC. Michael Carter. Does that ever happen? I I don't know the answer to that, but they drafted drafted Michael Carter, the running back from Carolina, and Michael, and and from Duke and Carolina, of all places, to have two Michael (laughs) Carters from. I mean, I talked about this on our last two podcasts. I don't want to you know, dive into it too deeply and overemphasize it, but when you draft a quarterback second overall, th- th- Joe Douglas is doing the opposite of what they did for Sam Darnold. That is important. You draft a quarterback two overall and you surround him with players and they've done that. The first four picks were quarterback, offensive lineman, wide receiver, and running back. And they were explosive playmaking guys who can do damage when you get the ball in their hand, at least the skill position guys. And then you know, it's also for Joe Douglas, you know, 
Daniel Jeremiah's at NFL Network. They're, they're like BFFs. You know, you're probably gonna get get a good grade. Not gonna get hammered, right? <laughs> I wouldn't if you guys if you guys were you know if I was making picks, you guys wouldn't be like Brinson. Get, well, actually, you might be like Brinson gets an F. You would be like <laughs> Brinson gets an F minus, even though I took Trevor Lawrence one and then walked away from the draft. Um, the to point- go a step farther on on this Jets draft class, not only did they take great talent, but I think they took great scheme fits as well. On both sides of the ball. So I was really impressed with what Joe Douglas accomplished. The AFC East is a fascinating situation moving forward because the Dolphins and Jets have gotten remarkably better in the last year. The Bills are clearly a contender to win the Super Bowl this year. And those poor, sad little Patriots are trying to figure things out and (laughs) spend it big and draft in Mac Jones. Traps, who's your favorite overall class out of this draft? Mine's the Chicago Bears, and I don't know if I've ever thought that in all of my years evaluating the draft, which is not that many years, but uh, it it seemed like they, with Ryan Pace there uh, after the Mitchell Trubisky disaster, like a lot of their overall draft classes have been pretty disappointing. But to go from pick 20 to move up and, and to not be afraid to trade up for Justin Fields, I thought was tremendous. So you kick off with a home run uh, at the quarterback spot, and there's no more tweets of Andy Dalton being QB1 out there anymore, which is good. Then in round two, Tevin Jenkins, who I thought was a first-round prospect at right tackle. I think a lot of people felt the same way. Nasty Mahler, technician, good with his hands. Not a crazy athlete, but he just blocks everything. So you kind of do what the Jets were doing. You you get offensive linemen around your young quarterback. And then later, fifth round, Larry Borum from Missouri, uh, I think he's one of the best tackle guard converts in this class. Very calm, cool, collected, not someone that's lunging a lot, very naturally powerful being as big as he is. As Josh said earlier, Khalil Herbert, I think he's one of the bounciest uh, running backs in this class. Not crazy fast, but in the ACC, he was a disaster to try to tackle in the open field. Very, very elusive. And I, to me, that's the most important trait that any running back can have. And then Daz Newsom, I was going to pick him as my favorite wide receiver, but I knew I was going to talk about the Bears. Daz Newsom at 221 overall. Uh, if you have Pete Prisco on, you can mention this. My like hot take for this draft is that Daz Newsom is going to have a better NFL career than Diami Brown. I think Daz Newsom fits what the league is trending towards, separation ability, yak ability. Diami Brown will hit some downfield plays, but Newsom out of the slot is not fun to cover or to tackle once he gets the football in space. Great returner, and that translates over uh, when he's running routes. And then my guy, Thomas Graham, to get him at 228, I think he bolsters a secondary that was getting a little older uh, and lost some pieces this year in the offseason. I I just thought from start to finish, based on the players that they picked and where they got them relative to how I had them evaluated and where I had them ranked, I think they got great value pretty much their entire career draft class so i don't know if they're going to compete and and like over uh or like play better than the packers and overtake them for the uh, nfc north let's let's throw a tbd on that i mean that's let's see what happens no i i don't know if they'll do that but i think they are a, a i mean a playoff team from last year that improved itself a lot in this draft i'm taking the bears with justin fields and andy dalton over the packers with jordan love that's for sure uh, we'll oh, get to yeah. question in a second. I, I just want to point out that with the Bears draft class, what really stands out to me is that for the first, I don't know, I've never seen Bears fans comfortable coming out of a draft with Ryan Pace. Exactly. And this is the first mm-hmm. one. And the difference between this and a normal Ryan Pace draft class, 
I believe he only took one player from a non-power five conference. His move is usually doubling up on positions that the Bears already have and doing it from small schools. And it's, mm-hmm. it hasn't worked out for him. We're trading up for Mitchell Trubisky. Now, he gave up next year's first-round pick. So that has to factor into the equation when you talk about this. But he did it and got Justin Fields, so I'm fine with it. Daniel H. asks, who wasted their top picks according to your board? Josh, I guess the, the question is, what's your least favorite day one or two pick? Yeah, there's a, there's a few of them. Um, I'm going to go with Peyton Turner to the Saints. I know there was a lot of buzz around him to be taken in the first round, but uh, the value just wasn't there for me. I think he's a really good player and has a lot of potential, uh, but it was just a little outside of you know where I would have been comfortable taking him based on my board. All right, how about you, Traps? I'll actually go with Gregory Rousseau going to the Bills. I, I was not a fan. I was on this podcast saying he should go in the third or the fourth round. The Bills pick him at 30. They're a team that doesn't have a ton of needs. But to me, like, I understand that they have Josh Allen. He's relatively young. He's not even 25 yet. He turns 25 in a couple days. Uh, that they understand that they have their franchise quarterback and they want to build themselves to be contenders for the next 10 years. But they also are in the position that Josh Allen is still on that rookie contract. I would have liked a more instant impact guy. And there were players available at 30. I thought that was uh, a pick that was more that a rebuilding team um, would ultimately use in the first round, not a Super Bowl contender. So Gregory Rousseau, I, I didn't really like that selection for the Bills in the first round. All right, let's move on to the worst overall class. And this is fairly easy, Josh, if you want to take somebody without a first round pick, who you got? It's all about how you use the picks that you have, Will. We all know this. That's why I took the Rams as my worst class. I just wasn't a fan of the picks that they that they used. Uh, Tutu Atwell is a talented player, but um, just very small, very thin, capable of taking the top off the, the defense, but I just thought it was a little bit too early to make that pick. Um, Ernest Jones, I wasn't as high on him as Daniel Jeremiah and some others were. Uh, Bobby Brown the third, I actually do like that pick. I think it was solid value where they took him. But then you have Robert Rochelle, who honestly I think is probably more of a safety from Central Arkansas, just really long player, um, just doesn't look the most comfortable in man coverage right now, which may be why the um, Rams took him where they did. Uh, Jacob Harris is just kind of an underdeveloped tight end at this point. You're taking a flyer on a guy that could become something down the road, uh, but I just I, I don't like the pick right now. Ernest Brown, I'm okay with. Jake Funk, just a little bit too rich for me based on some of the other options at running back that were on the board at the time. What about you, Traps? What's the worst class? All right, we talked about this team a little bit on yesterday's pod, so I won't be crazy long here. I After Trey Lance, I did not like what the 49ers did, really whatsoever. I mean, I, I'm glad for 49ers fans, and this is no disrespect to Ryan Wilson, that they picked Trey Lance over Mac Jones at number three overall. Uh, they picked Trey Sermon, and everyone's like, oh, this is your zone runner on the outside, uh, can compete with Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson there. I, but then later... In the sixth round, they pick another running back, Elijah Elijah Mitchell, when we know that Kyle Shanahan can get a lot out of undrafted guys or players that, that don't have a lot of pedigree. So to pick two running backs was really confusing. And then the linemen that they picked, Aaron Banks, I talked about him yesterday, bigger, not someone that is really great in his own blocking scheme. And then Jalen Moore from Western Michigan in the fifth round, same deal. He's a tackle in college. We'll have to play guard in the NFL, and he's not a great athlete. He, he's more of a power player 
And unless Kyle Shanahan is going to abandon his dad's uh, offensive scheme, which I highly doubt, those two are not stretch run type of offensive linemen. Didn't hate Ambry Thomas. Diamador Lenoir from Oregon, I thought was well overdrafted, was a big recruit, but never really uh, lived up to the hype or, or met the expectations there. Not really sticky in coverage, and he's small, short arms. Um, and then Talona Hufunga, which I not the best at pronouncing his first name. Hey, USC. Hey, we're going to mispronounce names. That's my bit here. Okay. Let's you're right. Go. You're right. It should be. Know the names. Um, that the safety from USC, I, I just thought that he was this freelancing type and I was expecting him to test really well. And then he didn't like, he he's not very big either. He's right around 200 pounds. Usually those freelancing types that play in the box and make plays within the first few yards of the line of scrimmage are usually, you know, 6'1", 6'2", 220. He's not that type. Um, yes, they got him in the fifth round, but these were players I thought were all picked earlier or didn't fit uh, the Kyle Shanahan scheme after they selected Trey Lance at number three overall. All right, so you know, it's fun to talk about Trey Lance, too, when you when you think about NFL ready. I actually heard, I think Adam Schefter, yeah, it was definitely Schefter, had this report on ESPN during the draft that, during day three of the draft, that the 49ers considered Trey Lance consider Trey Lance more NFL ready than Mac Jones. They think Trey Lance is more ready to play right now than Mac Jones, aka the Jimmy Garoppolo smokescreen. But it brings us to Josh. What it, what draft class for you was most NFL ready after three days of hawking these picks? The Trey Lance isn't ready to compete narrative was overblown from the beginning just because of the uh, system that he goes through in North Dakota State. Very structured. And, and, um, and by the way, I, I think one thing that got lost on that, and I, I sort of mentioned this, but not as a – so if the Falcons drafted Trey Lance at four, hypothetically in this box draft world where Mac Jones goes three, and they sat him for two years behind Matt Ryan, he will have played one competitive football game in three years. You can't do that. That's yeah. just, you know, it's hurting somebody's development. Anyway, go on. Yeah, so I'm walking back what I said last night just a little bit because I was not a fan of what the Broncos did from a principle of taking a running back early in the second round after uh, spending so much in free agency the prior year. I think what my issue was with was actually the contract that they gave out to Melvin Gordon the prior year as opposed to the Javante Williams selection. So I think it was probably – a little misguided last night as I'm thinking about it, you know, if they do move on from Melvin Gordon and if they do let Ronald Darby walk after this coming season, which I expect them to, then you're saving some salary cap space and you're able to plug in a couple of guys that are very talented that you took in the 2021 NFL draft. And that's Patrick Sertan, the second, who I thought was the cleanest cornerback prospect in this class. Javante Williams at the top of the second round. He was my first ranked running back. Love his game. Very versatile. Um, you've got Quinn Miners in the third round, number 98 overall. Most people thought he was going to be taken earlier. Um, I think it's probably fair where he was taken, but to get that kind of value on Quinn Miners was a good pick, in my opinion. Uh, Baron Browning, really athletic linebacker that um, you know was kind of overshadowed by just the group as, as whole with Ohio State, but a guy that can develop into a really successful NFL player. Uh, and then on down the board, Caden Stearns, Jamar Johnson, a couple guys that were really well-liked depending on who you talk to in the draft community. Seth Williams is more of a role player on day three of the draft. You know, he's this this tall jump ball winner that is not going to be asked to, you know, win in his routes and all that kind of stuff. He's, he, he's got his role and he knows it. 
Um, and then you you get Kerry Vincent, who at one point was regarded as higher. That's good value, in my opinion. I think what they were able to accomplish over the three days was pretty solid in George Payton's first NFL draft. Uh, but I'm, I'm like laughing while Josh is reading through this, doing detailed analysis. I wasn't laughing at you. In fact, I think so. Before we started this podcast, Devo was on video and he was doing this. He was smirking. As only Devo can smirk. And he said, "I saw a tweet that was funny." I, I think I, I think I know what tweet it was. Can I guess, Devo? Of course. Okay. I think I think the tweet that you saw. This is the this is the tweet that I saw. And I can't stop laughing at it. I think the tweet that you saw is the uh, Aaron Rodgers looks like he's at the Kentucky Derby to arrest Tom Brady tweet. No, I actually <laughs> dropped it in a Slack room that you are in, so I thought you may have actually seen it. Um, no, but I've seen the Aaron Rodgers Tom Brady one. That gives like a little a little like slight chuckle, but not quite the smirk that I had before. I was giggling. Rodgers is like <laughs> leaning over that rail, and Brady's like sawing around like a villain who just doesn't care. <laughs> what was the one? What was the one? Where, where where did you drop the one? I don't know if I want to share it on on the. It's not bad, but it's okay. Never mind. Carry on. What I about two just... traps? What's what's your most pro ready class? No, Josh, that was a good pick with the Broncos. I, I totally agree. And it is funny as Josh is giving detailed analysis or I am to watch Will because you know Will wants to jump in so much, but he's done a good job, I think, today letting us just rant about sixth and seventh round picks. I don't um, I'm in the pretty tweets. I'm gonna go with I look man, I'm I got gonna, nothing on the third day of the draft. Fourth round, yeah. Fifth round, a little bit, sixth, seventh round. No, I'm like I'm putting in super factors on the derby. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'm going to go with Will's Carolina Panthers. I think the job that they did from first round to seventh round uh, is is ready to go. I mean, J.C. Horn, I, I was a little lower on him than going number eight overall, but he's ready to start. Terrace Marshall is young, but he produced for back-to-back seasons at LSU, and they have the connection there with Joe Brady. I think he's going to be inserted right away. Uh, Brady Christensen, he's an older prospect at BYU, so he better be ready to play. I think he is. He's twenty. Uh, he's that left old. tackle that they. Yeah. yeah. So they need to play him right away. I think he is ready to start right away. Very uh, clean film there at BYU last season. Tommy Tremble, good blocker. I think he takes a little bit of time to develop, but they don't really have, uh, you know, a star tight end, so he could see the field a little bit earlier than people think. You mentioned Chuba Hubbard, immediate backup to Christian McCaffrey. And I think when the blocking is good, he can hit some home runs uh, in that offense. And then later, like when Will started to make his bets on the Kentucky Derby, Davion Nixon from Iowa, a lot of people thought he was going to get picked a lot earlier. He was the big 10 defensive player of the year. Very good handwork, agility, uh, can get up field. He is Deontay Brown, son. What a massive. Yeah. And then, and then Deontay Brown, who's ready to start at guard. I mean, he's not a a high upside guy that you need to develop. He's looks like a a, a classic NFL guard at like six, three and three fifty. I even like Keith Taylor and I like shy Smith. So I think this is a class that we don't have to wait two or three years to see if these guys will develop. We know as a rebuilding team too, that the Panthers are ready to give opportunities to young players, just like they did on defense last year. So from JC Horn all the way down, I mean, they did pick a long snapper. I wasn't a huge fan of that. To Shai Smith in the sixth round. Uh, a lot of household names in the draft community that they picked, even on day three. A little analyst heat here, because while Traps claims that this is the most NFL-ready class, when asked, when polled, about who would be the who would be the class that would take the most time to judge, 
Josh Edwards thinks it's the Panthers. Oh, let's hear it. Let's hear it. So it starts with JC Horn, who um, I like his physicality. He gets a little handsy in his route. So I'm wondering how that's going to mm-hmm. translate to the NFL. Uh, Terrence Marshall opted out uh, of, of a portion of this past season. Just kind of curious to see how he's going to transition to the NFL. Obviously, Joe Brady didn't have a problem with that, um, you know, having worked with him in LSU the prior year. Brady Christensen, he's got shorter arms. Kind of wonder if he's going to move inside to guard. Uh, did did they say he's going to be a left tackle? I haven't, uh, I haven't seen I that. Sure. Greg Little sucked, okay. and Cam Irving is Cam Irving. So Yeah, I mean, I, I do I, like Brady like Christensen. The world, they roll Brady Christensen out day one, and he's their starting left tackle, and he plays well. But I don't necessarily think you can bank on that from a third-round pick who's 24 years old. Yeah, I do like the yeah. player. I'm just thinking if he makes the transition inside, uh, you have to take that into consideration. I don't know that he's ultimately going to do that, uh, but I did like the improvement that he showed from 2019 to 2020. Uh, Tommy Tremble, I love. I'm not going to try to say anything otherwise about that pick. Davion Nixon, the thing that I had an issue with with him is that he just wasn't consistent. I mean, he's, he's great value at that stage of the draft. Um, and could very well turn out to be a fantastic player, but I'd like to see more consistency from him uh, because, you know, splitting the gaps and the the pass rush p- potential that he shows is fantastic, but I would like to see him do it a little bit more consistently and work on um, his, his rush defense as well. Uh, Deontay Brown, just a huge, massive human being. I'm honestly probably not too worried about that uh, because I loved what I saw of him on film. I think that was great value, but when you're looking at most ready, you're, talking about the top picks and I just have a little, a few questions about the guys that they were taking on the cup first couple of days. Okay. Uh, traps, what is your least? And, and also, you know, I, I'm pitting these two guys against each other in a, in a friendly battle. Totally fine. Yeah. But I, I would say <laughs> that the takes the most time to judge. You could also frame it in a different way, which is one, did the Panthers make the right move in taking JC Horn over Patrick Sertan and maybe more importantly, Justin Fields. You know, two, should they have traded out of their second round pick and given Tevin Jenkins to the Bears, who also drafted Justin Fields? If the Bears are in the Super Bowl sometime in the next three years or somebody, you know, in the next five years, you know, that's you can't judge it right away. The Panthers will have made could have made mistakes if the Bears are great. And then, you know, a guy like Terrence Mitchell, is it Terrence Mitchell or Terrence Marshall? Marshall. Terrence Marshall. Marshall. Yeah, Terrence I called him Mitchell twice. I don't know why. Um, Terrence Marshall <laughs> has major medical issues, but you know, he played for Joe Brady. So in theory, the Panthers should have a better idea of, of how healthy he is. If he's not healthy, it's a bad pick. If he is healthy, we'll see. And they, I like their process. They traded back a ton. They added a bunch of draft picks. It's very different. Josh Norris of uh, Underdog Fantasy pointed this out, but it's very different than what we've seen for years. Of, you know, people who follow the Panthers from Marty Herney and then even Dave Gettleman. They're they're. It appears that Scott Federer wants to move back, acquire more assets, and take more shots. And Dave David Tepper is letting him do that. Whereas Jerry Richardson used to flex on Marty Herney and tell him that you're drafting, you know, Amari, Amari or Amante Edwards because he went to App State. Like, what, you know, what are we doing? Or you're trading up for Everett Brown or trading up for Jimmy Clausen. And so to me, that signal is a good thing for the Panthers in terms of the process. But so maybe that is a good, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it may take a while to play out. What about you, Traps? Uh, who, who, who stands out to you as draft classes that could take a while to play out? Yeah, I'll go with two teams quickly. The Indianapolis Colts, uh, I don't know how they did not select an offensive lineman until the seventh round unless they have someone 
Some veteran, and again, we can get Debo to chime in on the Carson Wentz stuff here. Uh, but yeah, Carson Wentz, they don't have an offensive. Carson- yeah, they don't have an offensive tackle uh, that is ready to start at that left tackle spot, and that's a huge well uh, problem. No, no, with, I think. I mean, I, they're going to roll with Sam Tevy, I think. Which is, I'm not saying that that's, that, not, a, that's not a good sign. That's bad. That's right. what I'm saying. It's a, yeah, I'm it's, it's a, it's a bit of a red flag for sure. No, no, I'm. But I. I'm just telling you that I think that's what they're going to go with. I'm not saying it'll work. I'm just mm-hmm. saying that's what they'll go with. Yeah, no disrespect to Sam Tevy, but when I'm saying there oh. is not a capable left tackle, I, I'm, I guess I am kind of dissing him that he's not someone that they should have a lot of faith in to protect Carson Wentz um, after making that trade. I like Quiddy Pay. The edge rusher from Vanderbilt uh, has a torn Achilles, so to go back-to-back edges, I didn't really understand that. Um, Sean Davis, the... Florida safety is kind of an old school hitter. He kind of reminds me of Kelvin Pryor, uh, who never really amounted to anything in the NFL. Not great in coverage at all, but will lay the lumber, lowers his head a lot, misses a lot of tackles. Uh, They drafted uh, a wide receiver from Charleston, who is a crazy athlete, like 6'5", 225, with high-level athleticism. And we know that he's from Charlotte, right? Or Charleston. He's from. I'm gonna. Right? I'm gonna hop. We had him on All Things Covered, and uh, oh. he is from the Bahamas. He came to the United States when he was 15 years old. Played at the University of Charleston, not College oh, of Charleston. Do you know where University yes. of Charleston is? I'm guessing in Charleston, but I don't. It's in uh, West, the West Virginia Charleston. Oh, it's not oh. even. Char- it's not even South Carolina Charleston. No, no, it's Division uh, Two. But yeah, he's six five, two thirty runs a four in, in the four threes. So that was yeah, someone. It, it feels like the kind and of and it's pronounced like Strawn, isn't Strawn, it? Strawn. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so Strawn. he he moved from free the Freeport Bahamas to Charleston, West Virginia, just oh. just so that doesn't get overlooked. I mean, oh and <laughs> that definitely feels like the plot of a sitcom where you think you're going to Charleston, South Carolina, which is one of the greatest cities in the country, and you end up in Charleston, West Virginia, which is probably one of the worst cities in the country. Well, yeah. So with with him, it's like they like to draft these high upside, like athletic types from small schools. Ashton Dullin, a few years ago, they picked. Uh, there was another wide receiver that's escaping me right now that they picked late. Uh, I think the first or second year of the Chris Baylor tenure. He's not ready to play. And then Sam Ellinger, I already talked about it earlier. I didn't think he deserved to be drafted. He's not going to play. And, and if Sam Ellinger is starting for the Colts this year, that is a bad sign for Indianapolis. So I, I just don't see outside of Quiddy Pay in the first round. I, I didn't mind Kalen Granson, the tight end from SMU. I, I think he's got good receiving ability. He's an older prospect who transferred, had to sit out a year. Uh, I, I just don't see a lot of instant impact guys for a team that was in the playoffs last year. And I think Phillip Rivers was a big part of that. Uh, that could have had a, a home run draft and been talking about, hey, we want to insert ourselves to the top of the AFC with a few of the other teams. And I, I think they actually regressed by having a draft that is more built for the future, two, three, four years down the road, than helping Carson Wentz right now. Brinson, what do you think the Sam Ellinger pick means for Ryan Wilson's claim that Jacob Eason could threaten Carson Wentz's starting job? Do you think <laughs> Jacob Eason is in trouble? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, Jacob Easton could be in trouble. I don't, I, I don't think I would put too much. The problem with these quarterbacks in this draft, and this happens every year, you know, especially if you get to a bigger market, you know, where, so you have Bryce Petty go to the Jets in the fourth round. I was like, Bryce Petty's the next Joe Namath. No, he's a fourth round quarterback. He probably sucks. He's probably not going to be good. 
the hit rate on these late quarterbacks isn't very good. Wilson's out of his mind is, is, is my larger point. Carson Wentz is fine. He'll start 12 games, and then Sam Ellinger can come in and finish out the season when the Colts are limping to the not playoffs. Hopefully he's not too uh, mentally affected by a, a sixth-round quarterback. Oh, uh, they did it. draft another quarterback. Yeah. Uh, Sam Ellinger is a bit of an alpha. Not a vote of confidence for Carson Wentz. Capital B beta, Carson Wentz. So are, are you looking at the uh, first coach to get fired odds right now to to mark down, um, uh, gosh, Frank names Reich. escaping. Maybe, yeah, Frank Reich. It's no, been a long weekend. but What sucks so bad is I became a Colts fan for one year because of Phillip Rivers. And I love the Colts. And I love Chris Ballard. I love Frank Reich. Like Chris Ballard's easily in my top three favorite general managers in the NFL. And Frank yeah. Reich might be my favorite NFL head coach, at least one of the top three. And now I have to hate the Colts because they dared to replace Phillip Rivers with capital B Carson Wentz. With B standing <laughs> for better quarterback? No, B standing for uh, maybe P. How about P? Capital P. Plea, as in, please don't build a statue of Nick Foles in front of my right. stadium. Be, otherwise, I'll get scared. Be um, careful. Carson's going to ball out. What do you, you want to bet? We got to have a bet on Carson Wentz. Yeah, we've we've teased this before. We got to narrow it down about how we compare it to Rivers last season. But we'll have something down the road. Okay. I'm on well, Debo's side for what it's worth. Pick a wide receiver. They didn't pick a wide receiver. By the way, the wide receiver. I I, I'm was, surprised. Wait, you were talking about Dion. Or late, late. Deion Kane was the late. No, Deion. There was another one. Josh probably remembers. Gary uh, Fountain. He's another one. Was he Northern Iowa? Yeah. They're, like they like always to pick a athletic small school wide receiver, and I don't think any of them have ever amounted to anything. But it's so it's, it's a six round pick. Like Indianapolis yeah, exactly. as a whole, though, did have success with PR Grosson from Mount Union. It was it was sure. before this regime, but. Uh, they have had some success in that that organization. Josh, I but heard I, you I were. Agree with you. Josh, I heard you were on my side. You All right, to... so that's the show, everybody. Thanks yeah, for coming out. Yeah, in, in jest, <laughs> I uh, I do love Frank Reich. I do love Chris Ballard, and I do think Carson Wentz is going to be successful. So, uh, very interested to see what this bet amounts to. So, for me, the Carson Wentz thing is sort of equivalent to how I felt about Mac Jones going to the 49ers. I was staunchly against. It working out. And I didn't think it was going to happen. And I didn't want it to happen. I didn't think it was going to work out. But I do understand that if there was a spot where Mac Jones was going to work out, it was San Francisco. And if there's a spot where Carson Wentz is going to work out, it's Indianapolis because they don't have the – sure, Jim Mercy's a crazy person, but he's actually taking a step back with Ballard doing really well and Frank Wright running the – you know, those guys running the team. They're they running the organization. He's taking a big step back. I think his daughter's more involved now. And because of that, you feel – it's a good landing spot for Carson Wentz to bounce back. There's not going to be any of the scrutiny that there was in Philadelphia. I would even argue that there's going to be more coverage from Philly of Carson Wentz, just in terms of hot, like hot sports talk. Then there will be an in Indianapolis where they just kind of chill and eat beef. I guess I don't know whatever. You're is. you're right. Yeah, what's the Indianapolis food? Shrimp. I guess <laughs> after you know on sports talk radio on sports talk radio on Monday mornings. They're going to talk about the Eagles game, but the the B block. And then block, they're going to jump to the Colts game for the another B block hour. or the C block. They are going to talk about how Carson Wentz performed the day before. I, and, I if think, and if and if Debo, if you're correct and you're winning this bet, and this and I'm a little worried about Carson Wentz to the point that this won't be a bet in which I'm willing to sacrifice any 
um, tattoos. Yeah, I'm not. This is not going to involve me putting ink <laughs> on my skin. If haircuts, no, no, I'll shave maybe. Um, if Carson Wentz is good, like if Carson Wentz comes out and lights up the NFL the first three weeks, Philly, they would have talked about the Eagles games. It'll just be straight to fire Howie. Look what he did. How could he do this? It'll get, I'm almost kind of rooting for it just because Philly will be such a hot mess. No, now, now I'm on your side. Let's, let's wrap. All right. Let's get <laughs> out of here. Well, first of all, did I, did I miss the emergency pod with uh breaches Bengals taking the oh, first and only on. kicker? Josh, yeah. saving, saving the Josh, pod for the second straight Thank night. you. I was, I, I was distracted I, by Brinson. At, I, ball was dropped by me. So the Bengals did take a kicker. Breach checked in at 5.15. Do I need to be on the pod tonight? Us. No, you're not. Debo, <laughs> we will take a statement of the Bengals selecting a kicker if you have one. Breach. Uh, 15 minutes later, he wrote three paragraphs. I'm going to read those paragraphs now. Although I'm not on the podcast tonight, I thought I should weigh in on what could go down as the best pick in the 86-year history of the NFL draft. As everyone knows, my two favorite things to talk about are kickers and the Bengals. And sometimes, beep, but let's ignore that right now. With the 149th pick, all of my dreams came true when the Bengals selected the first kicker of the entire draft. Sure, only one Bengals kicker has ever lasted longer than four seasons with the team after being drafted by them. My dad was drafted by the Lions, so he doesn't count. And yes, the only two kickers taken in the top 150 over the past 10 years were both cut after one season, Roberto Aguayo and Matt Gay. But I'm going to overlook both of those things because I think Evan McPherson can make magic happen in Cincinnati. The first thing I need for him is to never miss a kick so that Brinson can never play that dumb Randy Bullock clip again. I think I actually deleted it. <laughs> Fat Randy! Also, the last time the Bengals drafted a kicker, Jake Elliott, he won a Super Bowl his rookie year with another team. And that's what I'm expecting from McPherson, except he's going to win it with the Bengals and not the Eagles. Sorry, Debo. See you guys in Los Angeles for Super Bowl LVI. Thank you for your time. Godspeed and who day. Wow, that's impressive. I can't believe it took him 15 minutes to type that. It was very on brand, at least. Oh, yeah. He leaned. Sure. I, the only thing he missed was a mention of a cat. At any rate, that's a show. Traps, Edwards, you guys are the best. Thanks for taking all the time you did this weekend to talk about the 2021 NFL Draft. You guys have put in yeoman's work, grinders, blue collar, uh, hand of the dirt, as Dave Jordan likes to say. Blue collar, hand of the dirt, salt of the earth, grinders. You guys did awesome work, and I'm sure we will talk to you very soon. Go take a nap. Grab your VIP pass. We're delving into the secretive world of Formula One. Behind the scenes with two of the sport's biggest names, Mercedes and Williams. This is not coal mining, this is Formula One motor racing. As they build their new cars. We want to be so much further ahead. We're in permanent racing mode. And face shocking headlines. Here's Lewis Hamilton moving away from Mercedes. I'm Joseph Fiennes and this is F1, back at base. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.